It's about to go down with Mark and Kathy, a live coaching show about dropping ideas. Mark and Kathy coach and have conversations with brilliant idea creators who are reimagining the world through the expression of their words, thoughts, and actions. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to It's About to Go Down with Mark and Kathy. I'm Kathy Armias. And I'm Mark Williams. And we are here with our awesome, amazing friends um, from season two. Yay. Welcome, everybody. Um, we had such an amazing uh, run with uh, all of the guests that came on season two, and we're doing another special wrap up. And so today we have um, some of our folks that were on season two, and then there's a couple people that are missing, but we'll definitely acknowledge them. Um, and we're going to, we're going to start by talking to some of our guests and just saying like, Hey, what's happened since the show? Where's your idea? And, uh, what are you doing now? And the, the first guest and friend that we want to start with is crystal bonds. Uh, crystal had, uh, the most amazing idea, uh, to disrupt the way that we currently do the way that we're currently doing education. And, uh, so crystal, please tell us a little bit about your idea and how it's maybe changed since we talked to you. Okay. That's a background interruption noise. Um, so the idea is about, uh, some things that happened when I grew up and it was so much, um, basically there's some things that happened, uh, I don't, well, Kathy, you're so good at like wrapping it up real quick. Cause you know, I, I did my two minutes before and it took me how long? So I think that I need your, I will, I will do an olive branch. Please, please help me here. Okay. I'll help you, Crystal. Okay. I remember this conversation with you. That was really awesome. Is like, you know, you, in your episode, you were talking about um, some, you know, some not so great things that happened to you during your, uh, you know, your walk through uh, the educational system. And then you thought, well, maybe when you got older, it might have been better for, uh, future generations, but you saw your daughter struggling with the same thing. And so your idea as also a, a principal leader in the community, um, it was to kind of upheave the system the way it is right now and get help to the communities um, that need it and get help to the, to the schools that need it um, the most. So I, I, did I do okay on wrapping that up for you, Crystal? <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me jump in for a second. Yeah, come on, Mark. Come on. <laughs> Can I tell you how much I love Crystal Bonds? She is an absolute amazing person. I told her earlier today that she is my she is my role model. She is a networking queen. She is a brilliant school leader. And yes, she has gone through or she went through a lot of tough times. And I think those tough times really shaped her vision for what children need in our school system. And the word need is so critically important. And what I remember about our conversation was Kathy started drawing this circle and then Crystal started drawing another circle. And all of a sudden there, 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 there were these spokes in the circle and all of these words written in a circle. And we started calling it a need score and a needs assessment. And I have to let everybody know that when I talked to Crystal earlier today, before this episode, she has said to me, and Chris, I don't even know if you remember this. She, you said to me, oh, I got to get back to work on my needs assessment. So I know that the wheels, no pun intended, are still turning and working on it. So Crystal, if you could just tell us, like, what have you been doing or, or, or what have been the, the, the latest thoughts on your mind as it comes to the needs assist assessment and what you would like to do with it for moving forward? So yes, I um, we have I've met with my board of directors, formed a, 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 a nice cohort. We've got the organization um, copywritten and the the symbol and the name um, incorporated. We've done so many things uh, since then. Now with regards to the needs assessment, oh websites being built uh, and all of the work. So many. It's, I'm just excited about uh, the progress of the organization. But with regards to the needs assessment. Um, I'm having it like I'm betting it with some uh, some of my uh, colleagues who are really into research. We've taken some assessments from the Department of Ed and different, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
states to say, what are people really looking for? What are the assessments, you know, what are they, <clears throat> what are they looking for? However, we don't want it to be something like a, a quality review or something that people are rated. We really want like rated for scores for academic achievement. We want to see um, what, where the schools stand and what are the needs of the, the internal and external barriers and, 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 you know, things that will, I guess, inhibit a, a student achievement. So, um, we had the wheel. We are we we broken it there. We had like 19 different points. We've followed some of your direction. We broke down into three major categories and uh, six different um, uh, criteria. And now we have to just assign a score point to it. Like you know, like not a Likert scale, but more of a like we don't know how many points to give to each one. You know what I mean? It's like you give a, a scale of five or do you just give a, a one or a two? Like, because now you want it to be where when you people are looking at this assessment, they can look at a school holistically and say, wow, this is this wheel. Okay, this is where this school stands and they can understand it. And you don't need, you know, a whole um, key to figure it out. And, and, you know, anyone can understand, wow, this is, this school really is in need from the student achievement to the socioeconomic status to, um, you know, maybe the, you know, the digital divide to historical, you know, perspectives, um, teacher turnover, the, um, <clears throat> the longevity of the school leader. There are all these things that, may not typically be included in school assessment because it's only about students, but we know it's the student is at the core, but there's so many other things that this encompasses of what the success of a school. So we are now at the point of trying to give scores to it and, and, and to make it, um, I guess, user-friendly to the, to, the, uh, to the person who's reading it. Mm. I love that, Crystal. I love that you're putting it out there to other educators getting that expert advice. And I love the fact, talk to me, Kathy, I love the fact that the idea is coming alive. Mm -hmm. um, this needs assessment score. Well, you know what I love, Crystal, too? Uh, Crystal, like, I love chatting with you about this. And one of the things I really loved is sometimes when Mark and I talk to people, many times we're talking to people about communicating an idea. You're doing it. You're like, you're doing it. And so, you know, if there's like, if there's different levels to it, level one might be like, oh, here's, a, here's a really good idea. You know, level two is like, oh, I'm going to get people excited about it. Level three is like, and you're like at level 100, like, nope, I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got a community of people where we've got a website, we've got a name, we've got a, we've got three, we've broken it up into three categories. Like I, you know, so it's really cool um, to see that. And, you know, Crystal, like just having the conversation with you and Mark and I understand we're not the only ones having this conversation with you. You are the hub of this great idea. Um, but it, we can see all the work that you've been actually doing. How many conversations have you been having with people to make this, this, uh, idea come to life. And so, uh, thank you for, thank you for, you know, continuing to work in this. Like there are so many children out there, um, in, in your community, uh, you know, in the state of New York that will benefit from all of the work that you are doing. So, yeah, thank you. Wow. Thank you. We don't, um, because you know, my saying is always um, a child's uh, demography shouldn't have to be their destiny. And mm. we know that a lot of our young people have the propensity to succeed, but sometimes there's some other things and factors and, and barriers and opportunities and lack and, and access or lack thereof that may hinder. So this is something about how do we look at a, a student, a school in a neighborhood holistically to find out what their needs are. So thank you for helping and for helping me tease out this idea. I appreciate both of you. You're so uh, welcome. You're so welcome. And you know, when, when you talk about being like so passionate about this idea, because I hear it in your voice, I got to tell you, it automatically reminds me of Beach, right? Because Beach had, wait till you hear this, Crystal, and everybody else, right? Beach has an idea related to education as well in a different direction, but I see so many different connections. But what I remember about Beach, and, and Kathy, I am so glad that you found Beach and brought her on because Beach came on and she had this very serious idea. And then she started getting all kooky on <laughs> <laughs> But I say kooky, but it was really 
just the passion for your idea. So, Beach, for anybody who didn't hear about it or didn't get to watch your episode yet, tell everybody in the group, what was your idea? Like, what's been happening since you shared that idea with us during the conversation? Sure. Uh, so thanks for having me back. And I'm so glad I'm going after Crystal because I think it's a great segue. Mm. Um, I, my idea is a public service academy. And so put a pin in that, move it aside. Backstory, I went to the United States Military Academy, which is a military academy. There's West Point, that's where I went. And then there's the Air Force Academy, Annapolis, et cetera. And uh, I graduated in 1991. And when I was there, we learned about um, ethics, morals, leadership, um, moral and ethical leadership. But then we also learned about what it is to be an officer in the United States Army and what it is to be a leader of character. But we majored in things like I majored in Latin American studies, other people majored in computer science or whatever. Um, and then there's this underlying thing of military. We're in a military academy, we're a uniform, we study about military history with the intention that we serve in the United States Army after, which I did. And so while my idea is not any, um, it, it's not necessarily a new idea, it's an idea that I wanna see come to fruition, which is a public service academy Imagine if people who wanted to serve their country or even their planet by studying how to solve pervasive problems that everybody is dealing with. So instead of majoring in English or math, imagine majoring in housing, imagine majoring in food security or majoring in a thriving global environment, uh, mental health or equitable public policy, right? And then when you graduate, you go off and you do work with social change organizations in that in that realm. And by the way, I don't like to use the term nonprofit because nonprofit says what we don't do. And I absolutely 100% like to talk about what we do. Um, so imagine majoring in those things, graduating and going off and, and understanding not only I'm here to help, for example, with a housing issue, but you understand that the issue of housing, how it is um, cut across racial and social lines, socioeconomic lines, you show up in a city and you're ready to work understanding the national history of housing issues in America. Imagine that and imagine what we could move forward uh, um, if we had, if we were churning out hundreds of graduates who were majoring in these problems uh, and, and more importantly, the solutions to these problems uh, and then creating change, not only nationally, but globally. Um, I wanna be respectful of time, so I'll stop there. <laughs> Beach, I love this. Um, you know, one thing that, you know, I remember when we were having the conversation before we actually even did the show episode with you, I, you know, this was one of your, a couple of great ideas that you have, because of course you have many great ideas. Um, I, one of the things that I love that you still did this idea is you were like, well, I, I, I mean, other people have talked about this before. I'm not the first person to talk about it, but then we encourage you like, no, talk about it in order for something to come to life. People need to hear about it over and over. And so one of the things I appreciate, and this is a, this is like a, a little shift from where Crystal's at is like, there's this idea that people need to hear. So you're at that level where you're like, I need to inspire people to do it. Um, and so th that's why I really appreciate that you put this idea out there and you, and you say it so eloquently, like when I hear it, I'm like, why are we already, when I hear you talk about it beach, I'm like, why the hell are we not already doing this? Yeah. Well, and I've thought about that too. So since the, uh, uh episode that we uh, taped, um, I thought, well, who would be, who would understand this and who would get this? And I thought my classmates. So we are going back to uh, West Point this year for our 30th anniversary, which just blows my mind, right? To think that it was 30 years ago that I graduated. It was maybe five, like in my timeline, plus COVID, it's like five years, right? So uh, I thought who else would get it? And then who else has the time? Retired army officers, right? People who understand service, who've seen problems globally, right? And who want to help solve them. And many of them didn't serve 30 years in the army. Many of them are serving in corporate America, right? So they're understanding other aspects of, you know, how, how a, an environment, a, a municipality, a school um, affects their employees, right? And how, if we improve the livability of an area, how that can be better for everyone, right? All boats rise with the rising tides, right? So, um, I am sending it out to a few choice classmates and then in September we get together for our reunion and I'm hoping to see some um, activity from that. If I may jump in, 
Mm. Uh, I want to give you an example. I work at Amatsburg of Kings County. I'm the chief of staff. Okay. We are providing services, support, and hope to people going through challenges so they can lead fulfilling and productive lives. And we started mainly with a special needs population. In the past couple of years, we're also servicing the mental health population. Now, in the special needs industry, it is the way you want it to be, meaning we get resumes every single day with people. Um, this is what they did as voluntarily as teenagers. And this is what they want to do. They want to help people. They have a connection to the special needs. Um, and there's a whole, it's like the in thing in my community that you take care and work and volunteer with special needs children. And for the past couple of years, we're doing it in mental health. And I see the same, the same mindset where people started a career with the lens, this is what I want to do. I want to be in service. I want to be around people with mental health challenges and help them and so on. Yeah. So those yeah. are two examples that you maybe bring into your um, idea and, and learn from it. I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate it, Naftali. And, and I think... Um, you know, I agree that there are so many people out there with a service mindset who want to serve. And if there was another way to, uh, you know, provide an avenue for people to serve their country, their community, their world, um, I think it would be just amazing uh, to have those folks out in, out in the world. And, and I, we, actually we listen, to- I actually listened to, your, to this episode and I'm glad to tell it to you on the air. I really enjoyed it. Um, I was recently asked on a podcast, on another podcast, what could businesses learn from non-for-profits? And I was like, we're not a non-for-profit. We want to make profit because we want to make an impact on the world. We want to be sustainable and open new lines. Like we did special needs for the last 25 years. We're moving into the mental health. We're going to change the landscape in the community. So we are, we got to be um, as organized as any business and we got to be sustainable. It's not not-for-profit, just a term for the IRS. Don't get us confused. <laughs> It's it's so interesting when people are, are, you know, in in corporate and I I spent 10 years in corporate. I get it. Right. And they're like, oh, you don't know. You're just a nonprofit. I was like, excuse me. Do you know how much we get done with half, not even like a quarter of the resources you have? Don't even get get me started about the mountains we could move if we had the the right people with the right training in the right places. Mm. Uh, And I I really appreciate you sharing, Naftali, because you're branching out into an area that um, is critical. Uh, it always has been, and it, it still is. And, and thank you for your work there in the mental health sector, as well as the special needs sector. Thank you. Hmm. Beach, I love when you get fired up. I love it. <laughs> Same. Which is, I think, what, what Mark was saying when he said kooky. I was like, what, is, what did you mean? And then I was like, okay, you must mean that <laughs> Beach getting fired up about it. <laughs> he is on fire. And if I may speak on behalf of Crystal, um, as educators, kudos to you. Cause this should be more than just like an after school club. This should be yeah. institutionalized. So kudos to you, Beach. That's absolutely amazing. And Naftali, ah, thank you for chiming in on that. Cause we love that everybody's watching each other's episodes and, and feeding off of each other's ideas. Um, so, so it's absolutely great. And, and Naftali, uh, I guess that's a great transition, right, Kathy? Uh, because Naftali not only does a lot of um, community service work, but he does a lot of work around helping people to connect deeply. I got to tell you, I met Naftali uh, many years ago at this organization called Toastmasters International. That always seems to be the tie for so many people. And he's an amazing individual, an amazing family member, an amazing friend. And um, I love your idea about connecting deeply. So for those who may not know about it, Naftali, tell us about your idea and tell us about what you've been doing with that idea since we last spoke. Sure, I'm excited to share it with everybody on this call and everybody watching out there. So I wanna back up and just share my personal mission statement, why I exist and I have it, I'm so proud of it that that I have it in my office, to connect deeply with Hashem God, family, and community through service and influence. And my personal core values, what, what I stand for is to consistently be connected to Hashem. Charity begins at home, relationship over everything, giving for the sake of giving, never ending growth. And my vision, where I'm going, is to communicate, lead, and serve, to have inner freedom, a healthy family, and make an impact in my community. And why am I sharing this with you? Because I'm so passionate about this words, connect deeply, 
that I am on a mission. I want to make a movement that every single person out there, not only companies and corporate America and all that, should have a personal mission statement. Why do you exist? Should have a personal core value. What do you stand for? And have a personal vision. Where am I going? So what I have been doing with all this since we um, taped this episode, um, I wanted to break it into a very short guide like a workshop that it's very portable that with you know if the, if you take a couple of hours into your calendar with this curriculum you could come up with your personal mission statement why you exist with your personal core values what you stand for with your vision where you're going and then from there my idea was and still is to go into the wheel of life um, where you could dive in um, your spiritual life your friendship your um, finance, your career and business, and so on. There's a couple of wheels there. And I don't want to, you know, just spend time on that. So ultimately, the idea is, and was, and I'll, I'll tell you and share with you all where it's pivoted and on the roller coaster I'm going with this whole idea, where the idea was to go into personal mission, vision, values, and the wheel of life. Then I after this call, I started making a lot of research and plugged in some other people helped me make research. And what they came back to was, People are not so excited to work on their own personal growth than into business growth. If you could, um, you know, talk about the personal mission, values, vision, wheel of life. And then once you hit the career wheel of life spot, you go into business mission, values, vision. You're going to have more sustainability. More people will listen and come from that angle. And I was going with it for a while, continuing to make the research, ask around. And it's true. People will rather pick up an ad and spend money, spend time um, to work on the business um, than to work with themselves. And my argument is you want to connect deeper to the people around you. You want to connect deeper to your family. You want to connect deeper to your the people you work with, your leader. You want to connect deeper to, to your employees. Um, and so on. It all has to start with the person in the middle, with you. Connect deeper with yourself so you know why you exist, know what you stand for and where you're going before you can even, you know, jump into business. But at a point, I was like, so I got to come in from the business perspective. And then once I had, you know, a conversation with a business leader, and I was so excited about it at one point, because if I could have a business leader, a CEO or anybody in the C-spot of a business, you know, figure out their personal mission statements and the business mission statement, it's a ripple effect because if they employ 20 people, 50 people, it's going to change the whole land, the, the whole organization and the families of the people working there and so on and so forth. Versus when I touch one individual only, um, it's going to change him and his family and the whole legacy, which is amazing. So I was running with this idea for a while. Then I had a conversation with my coach and my coach was like, Naftali, I know you for a couple of years. You started talking about personal mission values and vision because that's where your heart is you want to connect deeper to one-on-one -on -one people on a personal level maybe um, from a business perspective you should rather focus on business owners or c-level people entrepreneurs and all that but by the way i'm not doing it for business i'm doing it as a hobby because this is part of who i am why i exist and what i want to do i want to serve the community i want to make an impact i want to lead and all that so if it's not because of an roi you want to make business stick to Stick to what you want to do. And he's taking me back. No, focus, find individual people. Um, you know, we're working on curriculum workshops and ideas. And that's the roller coaster because I was coming from um, just personal, you know, and, and then shifted to business. And then he's like, go where, where you're good at. Doesn't make a difference how many people you will reach because it's not about how much or how many how deeply you are connected. Well, Naftali, I remember too. Uh, thank you. Oh gosh. It was like, I, you were ready to say all that. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> I, you know, one of the things I love from the conversation we had with you was you really, you really affected me when we were done with the show. I was like, I really started taking an inventory and this is the kind of the ripple effect I think you're talking about. I started taking an inventory of everybody around me and I was like, Ooh, like how, how deep is this relationship? How deep is this conversation? You were, you were even talking about how to go deep in a in a conversation like quickly um, and to stay out of that space of like, Hey, how's it doing? How's it going? Great. You know, and how to, how to get to that quickly. And so um, 
I love that you landed there and I love where that, that came from, because I do think if you go deeply enough in one person, the ripple effect is huge and it continues. And sometimes maybe even like tsunami level where it, it doesn't get less, it gets more <laughs> closer. It gets to the shore. It gets more and more. So and, I love and that. Everybody, I, I love this idea because if everybody was clear and where they were headed, imagine how that would change the world. Yep. Totally. I think it ties in, um, you know, with your idea. Yeah. 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 That could be like one of the classes in the first year at the public service Academy. Who are you? What do you stand for? Yep. (laughs) Go ahead, Professor Tesla. (laughs) (laughs) Professor, I would love to come um, with you on the military Academy. (laughs) But very interestingly, um, that I got that name in the community. So I think it's going to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be able to take off with this. I had somebody call me up and he is working in Keller Williams. It's a huge, um, um, you know, real estate agency. And he's like, I have outgrew my coach and I'm trying to get the top coach in Keller Williams. And he has two people working and getting, him, you know, connections to that guy because it's not easy to get on this guy's, you know, list of clients. And he's like, finally, he got, and that made, the coach that he's looking so much forward to talk to sends him an email before I even talk to you. I would love to know your values. And he calls me up, Naftali, help me out. Here. How do I make my values? I'm like, if you want to start um, doing leadership, you want to start doing service, whatever you want to start, like first connect deeper with the guy in the mirror. So you could ultimately, um, you know, pour over and, and lead servant leadership and, and make a difference in the community around you. Wonderful, wonderful. And you know, Naftali, as you talk about that and you talk about how your coach said, listen, go with what, you know, what, what, what's at your heart, what's at your core, what's, you know, what's your passion, what's your interest, what initially got you into this. It reminds me, Kathy, of the conversation that we had with Amelia, right? Because at the end of the day, we were talking about the superpower skills or what we ultimately called like those high income skills. But at the end of the day, it was about something that you do that people come to you for that you can not only do just, you know, at a whim or for, you know, a hobby, but you can turn it into a high income skill. So, Amelia, Naftali and I are coming at everybody from Brooklyn, but you are coming from the other side. I always say Kathy comes from the other side of the planet. You are really coming from the other side of the planet in (laughs) Singapore. So good morning. And tell everybody what your idea is and what you've been doing with it since we talked. 100%. I mean, first and foremost, I really just want to thank you, both of you, Mark and Kathy, for being our cheerleader on and off camera. You know, I feel that it is your energy, the both of you that, you know, is very contagious and it rubs off on all of us, whether, you know, it's us in this international room or even the people who are watching the episodes on YouTube. And I'm sure everybody here would agree with me, right? is the energy and that vibe that we are getting through the screen. And even in this pandemic world that we are in right now, me being literally halfway across the entire globe, like the sun is just coming up for me and I'm sure it's going down for the most of you. We are still, we we, we still can be connected. So the whole conversation that I had with Mark and Kathy was like what Naftali mentioned, or was it beach? It's a huge roller coaster ride. Like we literally went up and down 360 and it's like all over the place. So, so the idea really developed from my trip when I went down to Stonehenge and that feeling of certainty, right? With all those boulders staying put, that certainty that we feel. But right now in this whole technological advanced uh, pandemic world that we live in, there's so much uncertainty. And to me, really change is opportunity. Right. So our conversation started with our skills, our superpower, and it literally transformed. At the end of that short 15 minutes conversation or so, it transformed to the idea of how to get our irreplaceable high income skills to pay our bills. Right. There's a little wrap in this wrap up. So <laughs> right, how do we get our skills <laughs> to pay our bills? Right. At the end of the day, bottom line is how can we put food on the table? How can we, you know, bring up our family and all of that? So the thing is this, all of us may be good in many things, right? But bottom line is what would people pay us for, right? What is the irreplaceable skill? I, I heard, you know, many of you mentioned your values, your beliefs, your experiences, your personal brand. Like what is it about you that makes you different, right? That makes you stand out. 
So even in a, a, another conversation that I had with Mark, talking about this ripple effect, right? Something that both are, we were talking about, that ripple effect whereby we as individuals, we want to create that impact, whether it is in our small community or in the world at large, right? But where we start really is we are just like a drop in the ocean. We're just a drop. All of us individuals are just a drop in the ocean and we are creating this ripple effect around us. And the people that we are impacting are then creating their own ripple effect and then the tsunami is being evolved, right? <laughs> <laughs> so ever since the conversation that I had with Mark and Kathy, I've had the honor and privilege to share this idea on three different platforms. Two of them in a corporate setting, a corporate training, international corporate training, and one back in my alma mater in my tertiary education uh, institution. So one of my teachers from 10 years ago, literally 10 years of zero contact, reached out to me on Facebook. And you know how special it is when a teacher adds a student on Facebook. That's something, okay? A student can easily add a teacher, right? You'll always remember your teachers, but when the teacher remembers the student out of thousands and thousands of students, that hit home really hard. So my teacher actually reached out to me and she's like, Amelia, let's come down for a cup of coffee. So I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So when I met her for coffee, she was like, Amelia, you know that many of us are watching what you're doing on social media. I'm like, whoa, calm down. What a way to say it, right? I feel like, you know, they are just spying on me and they are looking at what I'm doing. We are watching what you're doing on, on social media. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I guess if it's in the that positive spin and it looks, you know, you're doing good things, sure, watch all you want, right? But the cool thing is this, my teacher actually told me, and she said like, you know, in this whole technological advanced world that we're living, we want to equip our younger, the next generation of leaders, right? Our younger, the people in our, the, rather our juniors with the skills that, so that when they enter the workforce, they are better equipped with what is that high income skill or what is that irreplaceable skill that makes an individual different. Mm-hmm. So, and that actually gave me the opportunity to further expand the ripple effect that uh, I wanted to create, not only in my immediate community, but now at a tertiary level. So, thank you very much, Mark, Mark and Kathy, for helping me sharpen that idea and, you know, kind of make it like a sword so that I can present it in that short, sharp, concise way that people can easily understand. So, thank you very, very much. Uh, Amelia, well, a couple things. Mark and I love to like argue about our rap, East Coast, West Coast. So anytime somebody throws a rap in, we're going to, we're all over that. We're on that right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, Singapore is also one of my favorite places in the world, if not my favorite, my absolute favorite place in the world. So um, I just want to throw those two things out your direction. But you know what, Amelia, that I love about what, um, thank you for sharing this story about your teacher. It's so awesome to see like the effect that, that ideas and then your presence in this world. And you are like the happiest, like most positive person that I know. And when you talked about this idea and now that all of these people that are in the room, Beach, Naftali, Crystal, uh, we'll get to Victoria and, and John next too, because I think there's all this, everybody has a connection in some way. Amelia, the idea that you have, even though you explained it in the space that you sit in is like, what's your, you know, what's your super skill or power that will help you pay the bills? Um, it also is goes in line with like, where would you like to serve? What's your superpower that you might use to serve? Um, you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't always have to translate. People can take your idea and say, yes, I'll take a piece of it and I'll leave a piece behind. And so I love that. I love how much you can transfer your idea. And it's really all about people finding out their self-worth and their self-value and what they can give back to the world and the community. So I loved it. I loved it. Um, thank you, Amelia. And thank you for being up at the crack of dawn. We know, like, I think your background <laughs> describes exactly what's going on right now in Singapore. <laughs> um, in Singapore, yes. <laughs> uh, Mark, we're going to switch over to Victoria. So if you want to introduce Victoria, that would be awesome. Oh, the good doctor is in the house. <laughs> Listen, I think Kathy, when we did the episode with, with Victoria, she was in the process of becoming a doctor. So now the transition is complete. The doctor, the PhD yes. herself, Victoria, I've adored you since the day I met you. I think you're so brilliant. And I, I think you have such a deep passion for what you do. 
And especially as an educator, I love the fact that you you serve children, you serve families, and, and you really just, as, as we're all trying to do on this call, just really trying to make the world a better place. And you have found your irreplaceable skill in doing that. So I loved our conversation. Um, and I, I'd love for you to take the opportunity to share with everybody else what you talked about with us and what have you been doing with the idea since we last spoke? Yeah, I love it. Mark, can I hire you to like do all my introductions? <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome. And I want to say, Kathy, didn't you just get married? I did. I just got married. Yes. I, I was stalking you on Facebook. So <laughs> congratulations. Thank and Mark, you. you're in the background dancing. I love it. Um, <laughs> it was so great. I was like, where was my invitation? I'm kidding. But um, I loved, loved, loved listening to everyone so far. And I know, John, you're going to you know, speak after me. And I just think that we all are meant to be together on this call because there's so many um, intertwined sort of, I'm just hearing so many things. I'm like, oh yeah, well, we can talk and, you know, Natalia and Beach and Crystal and it's, it's incredible. So um, what we discussed on our call, yes, was actually all about my research for my PhD. And I've had this dream about talking about this on a public stage so that this becomes more generalized. So in a nutshell, I studied post-traumatic growth and that's the growth or benefit binding that happens. Sorry, if you're hearing something, it's my puppy and she has like sinus <laughs> issues. So if you're hearing a snort, I don't have a pet pig. Um, so <laughs> post-traumatic growth is the growth or benefit finding that happens for a person or a group of people. Not always, but it's possible, not because of what's happened. So it's not because of the trauma but we highlight it's because of the struggle that someone goes through after a trauma. And what you and I talked about, Mark and Kathy, was this idea was taken from like talking to researchers and educators and everyone that kind of gets it. And I want to talk about it more publicly, more specifically, looking at the experience that parents have in their parenthood journey when they have a child who has special needs. Because my whole focus has always been autism, even though special needs is, is really my realm, but autism has always been like a huge love of mine. I don't know why, but I just fell into it because it was so misunderstood. And because it was so misunderstood, the parenthood journey of having a kiddo with autism was misunderstood. And so I thought if we can help parents who are, trying to struggle because struggling is a skill everyone can suffer but not everyone knows how to struggle well if we can really find out the specifics around that we can help all parents on their parenthood journey you don't even have to have a kid with special needs you could just be a parent <laughs> right because if we help parents we can help kids it's not just about fixing a kid in therapy it's about really like shifting the intergenerational trauma and all of the dynamics that happen within the family system. And we can do that by helping people learn not how to just get over or be resilient and go back to where they were previously, but like really get that wisdom. Um, and so I, since our conversation have really taken this from an academic space and a research space into talking to groups. Um, I partnered and collaborated and merged with other coaches and parents of children with special needs, creating um, coaching programs for parents who have never heard of this outcome of trauma. And it's exploded. It's been wonderful. I'm writing a chapter um, for a textbook specifically just on this. Um, I was invited to do that by my mentor, actually, who is writing um, her third book on it. Um, and I'm writing my own stuff. And I'm also creating a tool for clinicians and parents to use inside of the home to psychoeducate their kids and know what to say, because that's the number one thing. We don't have resources. You know, we have resources for people who can afford it but we don't have resources for people who, you know, just don't know otherwise. So my whole, you know, world has exploded and I will be on the TEDx stage guys. I don't know when it will happen, but I really want to talk about this. So it's been wonderful. Yeah. It's been really fun. Toria, you are amazing. So congratulations, first of all, on, on, and getting, uh, you becoming Dr. Victoria. Oh, thanks. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you know, I, um, 
I'm so, I'm so grateful that you uh, it, see your, see, here's another level, right? There's people that talk about ideas and then say like, oh, you know, the world should really, you know, cling on to this idea. There's people that are out there doing it. And then there's people that like really, really like live it. And like everything that you're doing um, is living in that idea. And so it's going to be really cool to see it grow. And I cannot wait for your Ted talk, your Ted talk or your TEDx talk, whatever it is, it's going to be phenomenal. You know, Mark and I, uh, we sign up for you too. Uh, if you need us to coach you, we're there, we're, we're with you, Victoria. Everyone um, heard that, right? Because I am going to be <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be like this damn Victoria bothering me. I'm going to, I'm going to catch no, it's you like, guys. It's, it's out there now, Victoria. No, but I, 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 and I love, cause this is my favorite kind of idea to talk about is when you take an idea and you, you turn it inside out. It's like, everybody talks about the kids, but where, where can we start? Like, first, how do we start with the, how do we start with the parents? Um, you know, changing the way I remember in our episode, you were like, you have to change your, like, I remember something you specifically said, Victoria, that like really stuck with me. It's like, you have to change your dreams and goals for your kid. Like you, like you have a kid and you, and then when you find out they have special needs. And so it's starting first with the parents and the way they think and, 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 but then starting, um, that, you know, going from the trauma piece and growing from that, like who talks about that? That's awesome. Not many people. Right. So, um, only, only Dr. Victoria Griffin, <laughs> Not only me, guys, but it's a good conversation. No, it's, a, it's just very unique, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I'm sorry for jumping in, but I cannot. No, really Naftali, I saw you. I was like, Naftali wants to say something. <laughs> I work at a hospital of Kings County and it's an organization for special needs children um they literally took the landscape and the view and the lens people look at special needs children down syndrome autism and they literally change it in the community they you you know before my time before i worked there and and they the kids in the community were literally you know hidden in the closets in the basements people were you know the stigma was so high around these special needs children until today where if a special needs child walks into a wedding, she's going to be on stage with the bride. If, if, if the, they're going to, if they want to sit, have the mic in the middle of a choir, they're going to get a mic because they're mm-hmm. they're so looked up upon. And and this was hard work over 25 years. The you know the founder of the organization, um, and we came a long way. And we're about to do the same thing to the mental health community. Where number one thing is we're going to remove the the, the, st- the stigma of the mental health you know challenges. But to your point about educating and all that. We actually have, and we're working on our business mission statement and business values. Um, you know, interesting, right? The valley is in the sea level. And what an idea. Like, that's an idea. <laughs> One of the values that we're about to roll out, and not roll out as a cookie, though, like really make initiatives that are under it and, and do stuff with it, is co- competencies. Meaning, not competencies, if you need to work in the organization, you, you, you know, you're doing um, billing, you need to know how to bill, you need to ha- you know how to talk to the phone about you know above and beyond that where we say know better to serve better knowledge is power powerful service powerful impact and care to learn more about the people you care for and the initiative around this will be if you are working in this organization and you are talking to parents with special needs children autism is one of them and even though you're only doing the billing, even though you're only scheduling a call, whatever you do, you better know everything about autism when you are talking to this mother. So here's your invite to the stage where this is an issue we're rolling out that everybody in the organization dealing with a specific diagnosis. We have many diagnoses on the special needs side, many diagnoses from the DSM on the OMA side. Um, you got to be in the know because knowledge is power. And this is the only way we could serve better. You got to understand the parents and about the whole trauma thing that you're discussing about the autism, I want to learn more about it. Um, and I want everybody working in this organization to learn more about it. Let's do it. Let's collaborate. Let's do it. <laughs> I love it. Collaborations going on right here. Look at that. That's awesome. This is why we're doing this. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks, Natalia. We should definitely get together and talk. Very cool. That connection. We'll definitely make that connection. Right, Thank Kathy? You. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Kathy, we got one other person that we, we got to talk about. Oh, Kathy, do this introduction for us. Do okay. this introduction. Yep, yep. Okay. Um, so this is our friend John Waller. Um, John, actually, so we're recording this today, but John is the 
He is the 10th. He was the last episode of season two, but you know, um, so he's John, you're the closer. And so you're the closer here too. I just was like making that analogy. I was like, wow, you're, you closed out the season. You're going to close out this episode, this wrap up. episode. And so it shall be. And so it shall be. Um, John Waller is um, one of the most phenomenal, amazing human beings that I know. He's a very dear friend of me personally. Um, but, you know, John, uh, John's episode was extremely deep and touching. Uh, John told us about his journey um, and, and what he's done, you know, what he had done. Like, I, I remember him telling the journey about going through Europe and, and just like making a random like, you know, oh, I'm going to get off on the next stop and I'm going to have a conversation with somebody that like I wouldn't have had a conversation with. And so, uh, John, tell us a little bit more about like what kind of what you talked about then and like what it's what it's meant to you since we had the conversation. Yeah, sure. So the concept was no ordinary moments. And it was uh, expanding on this idea that uh, in life, that every encounter, every moment, every interaction, every action has the potential to be extraordinary. Maybe not all are, but as I think back on my life and I think about some of the most extraordinary chapters that have happened, I can trace them back to literally a handshake that easily could have not happened, right? Mm -hmm. Or I walk, I turned left instead of going right, right? So if I distill some of these really extraordinary life events down uh, to these moments that feel so insignificant, so normal, so even mundane, it makes me realize that every one of those moments has the potential to yield something way beyond what I could have even imagined, right? So, you know, that's something that applies for all of us and it just requires us to pay attention. Um, now, can we have like, you know, 24 seven vigilance in the sense of like, oh my gosh, every single thing could be extraordinary. That's exhausting, right? But it requires like a mindfulness or an attention to the possibility that that could exist, that something very insignificant can literally like steer our life in a dramatically different direction. So for me, when I talked to you guys back in, uh, I guess it was November, October, yeah. um, I was telling you about this concept and how that really uh, crescendoed for me in my own life is that... Um, uh, a very, very sort of insignificant uh, bit of paperwork, insurance paperwork, uh, led me to visit a doctor, which led me three weeks later to get a stage four cancer diagnosis. So uh, that could have easily not happened. And, uh, you know, I was very close to the edge when I got that diagnosis. And, you know, it could have been so simple for me to just take that paper and be like, throw it in the garbage, you know? but I didn't, I filled it out and I got insurance, which led me to a doctor, which led me to a di diagnosis, which led me to uh, some pretty extraordinary care. So immediately after we talked, uh, I went through a six month chemotherapy. Uh, it was pretty grueling um, and I was able to have a pretty good response and pull myself back away from the edge and buy myself some time. Um, and so really how I've what I've done with that concept since is that I'm always paying attention because my life now is consumed by my full-time job is self-care uh, mm -hmm. and healing from cancer. Uh, and I have a long uh, and pretty hard road ahead of me. And so I have a lot of meetings. I have a lot of interactions with people. People reach out to me and give me advice. And I'm always trying to pay attention to that one thing that might be a catalyst for something that it makes a huge impact on my health and my longevity, right? So, you know, I, I, am, <laughs> I am oftentimes overwhelmed by the amount of information that's out there related to healing from cancer. And, you know, you, everybody has an opinion and some of them are very strongly held. And I encounter people all the time that in good intention are soliciting their opinions to me and I have to pay attention. You know, I can't discount uh, anything really, but I have to, while, while sort of being 
uh, aware and paying attention to the possibility, I also have to have a filter, right? Mm. And the filter has to kind of process out some stuff, right? Because some stuff, I just can't absorb all of it. Like mm. it's too much, right? So, um, but my radar is on because mm. my life depends on it. And I'm about ready to start. I've been on like chemo vacation for a couple of months now, uh, rebuilding my body and um, recovering from the last chemotherapy. I'll start another chemotherapy round on August 10th that um, is kind of like an appetizer. If I have a good response to that, then I get the full entree, the full Western medicine entree of uh, a lot more chemotherapy and maybe some surgery. Um, and that's the path that I have chosen towards being cancer free. Um, you know, everyone has their own unique path. Um, there's no, there's no formula for this at all. And that's where paying attention becomes exceptionally important for each person because all these encounters with people, all this information, uh, you know, all this, these times that you take a left instead of going right, mm. every one of those could they, they could matter to the point of my life, right? Um, and so um, when you're in that situation, I think you become hyper aware of all the things that are going on around you, so. Wow. John, can I tell you, and, and, and I felt this from the moment we met through the conversation to now and beyond, my heart is in your soul, my friend. My heart is in your soul. And I, I, I have nothing but the most awesome vibes sending your way. And I got to tell you, our conversation was so transformational. I mean, you, you took it to such a deep level. But I just want to remind everybody that during that conversation that you and I and Kathy had, we played a little game. And I don't know if you remember, but we all played a little game of, no ordinary moment. And, and I bring that up because I would love for everybody when we're done with this call, at dinner, at breakfast, at lunch, around the water cooler, when everybody gets together, whatever it may be, to take a moment to think about something you thought was just an ordinary moment. Like when John said, when you turned left, when you could have turned right, and think about what it has produced in your life, because I thought that was so amazing. And if we could all be more aware of, like you said, not every single moment, but if we could be more aware of those no ordinary moments, just imagine how much appreciation we would have um, for the things in our life and for the people in our lives. Um, and, and it's been no ordinary moment, the moment that I met Kathy um, because that ordinary moment of walking into a workshop has led to something like this today. So, John, thank you for that sentiment. Uh, absolutely amazing and transformational conversation. Yeah, yeah. When you when you think about it, when you kind of apply that umbrella to life, it gives greater value and importance to every single thing that you do. Even like, like filling out that little insurance paperwork, when you realize that it has the potential to be important, you give it a little extra care and a little extra attention, right? Mm -hmm. And if we can do that in all areas of our life, in our interactions with people, in the text messages that we send, in the handshakes that we give, in the focus that we have on writing something, like, you know, it can really elevate uh, the extraordinary possibilities that are. <laughs> That are waiting for us in life that we just can't even imagine. Mm. Wow, I want to share a light bulb moment that I'm having as you speak. So um, we're into competencies to make sure our staff um, on any level, you know, get competent in levels that they don't necessarily need for their job. And one of the things that we're messing around with is habit five of the seven habits of highly effective people. Steve Covey, seek first to understand, then to be understood. And um, competent communication, active listening is one of the things on the radar um, to teach the staff. But what I'm thinking about now that active listening starts with you start listening to the moments that you're walking through in life that you thought is an ordinary moment. 
Wow. Yeah. So good, John. You know, I think it's such a good wrap up for our, for here. Um, ever since you actually told me that concept and we just had it in a casual conversation a long time ago, I apply it so many times. And, and so the way that you eloquently told us all here again, and thank you for the update. I didn't want to share anything that you didn't want to share. So I left it open to you, but, um, thank you for, thank you for being, you know, coming on, coming back and sharing with all of us and being vulnerable about the space that you're in right now. And, uh, super grateful that you took the time to fill that paper out and uh, put, you on, put you on this wonderful, uh, this, this journey that you are working so hard at and doing uh, so well at. Um, I just want to call out really quick, Mark, before we close out, there's four oh, people. Can that... I share one thing? Oh yeah, Victoria, oh, go sorry. for it. It's just a thought and I, I'm going to regret it if I don't share it. John, as you were talking and then Naftali, you chimed in. And my thought was, John, was all the work that I'm doing and I hear like Amelia and Italian and you and what all of us are doing who are really interested in, you know, working with people and putting out these messages into the world is really makes me think that it's all about really getting people back to home base, which is back mm-hmm. to themselves because the whole mi- mindfulness trauma, right? All of these things take us out of our bodies and it takes us, it makes us disconnected from our true self, from our being, right? We talk about the trauma body. We talk about, you know, being kind of aloof to what's going on around us. And when we are connected to ourselves, we do notice those moments and we do mm-hmm. notice those things, you know, it's, and, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. So the efforts from all of us is really this global effort of getting people back to here. And when we're here, you know, that emanates out, we can be more thoughtful, we could be more, um, you know, friendly, kind, and helpful and considerate. And, you know, always ask, like, what's my responsibility in this situation? What's my responsibility in this, you know, um, sort of predicament I found myself in rather than what's going on out there? Why, you know, blaming and, and kind of like, what did I do? God, you know, blaming everything, really going back to over, over here with us. So I love your message. And so now I'm going to also think about all of these moments. It's not ordinary and they're not all of the most amazing things that have happened have happened out of like moments that seem so ordinary. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That such finite moments that literally were like 10 seconds, you know, so cool to think about. Yeah. I love it. Thank you, Victoria. That's awesome. Uh, way to yeah, kind of put a put a kind of cap on that. Um, okay, to close it out really quick, I just want to name the four people that were also part mm-hmm. of season two that aren't here today. Uh, starting with Tristan Harvin, he had this great uh, episode about self exploration and all the work that he was doing, especially during um, the times of COVID. Rob Paler, who who was um, paraplegic, he went and how he took power back in his life. That was a great episode. Love that. Cynthia Manuel, who talked about how mentoring how mentoring is ba- backwards and usually you know, and how she kind of flipped the script on mentoring. Um, and then finally, we talked to an eight year old named Paisley Elliott, who is changing the world because she heard about um, um, kids that were uh, separated from their parents. And so all the work that she's done um, in that space. But uh, so um, thank you all for uh, being mm-hmm. on the show. And uh, thank you for the wrap up. Thank you for telling us where, where you ended up again with your ideas. And uh, Mark, bring it home. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, listen, I, I can't believe that this all started almost 15, maybe 18 months ago. Um, really 10 years ago with a beautiful friendship. My sister, Kathy, I love you to death and I love doing this. And I love all the amazing people that we're meeting. We've done this in season one. We've now wrapped up season two. We're already in production of season three. So everybody make sure you check out more episodes of It's About to Go Down. Check out the website, It's About to Go Down show and make sure that you go on to the website. And if you have an idea, that you want to drop and have us discuss it with you so that you can reach more people, absolutely reach out to Mark and Kathy. With that said, I got to ask everybody, did at the end of our season one wrap up, on the count of three, we have to all say together, 
that's a wrap. Do we say that's a wrap or do we say it's a wrap? Kathy, which one do we do? Which pronoun do we use? I think we said that's a wrap. All right. So we're going to go with that's a wrap. All right. So on the count of three, one, two, three. That's, that's a wrap. A wrap. <laughs>